Well, let's take our Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Thinking of heaven and where Brother Everett is today. He's been up there now for several weeks, and of course, to him, time stands still. There's no time there. But, oh, I can only imagine the joy that he uh, must be going through. And I'll tell you, it makes some of us envious about it, doesn't it, as we get a little closer to heaven. Uh, Not that uh, we don't enjoy things in this world, but... Uh, the Bible says that our, our, our minds and our eyes can't even comprehend or see. There's, there's not been a person that's seen anything in this earth that even compares to heaven. Our minds cannot comprehend it. And the joy that's going to be there, that the greatest joy that I've had in my life, and I've had several times. I remember when my kids were born. Boy, I tell you, I just was overwhelmed. I thought I was going to pass out on the floor from joy. And uh, I was just overwhelmed with it. And uh, certain times in my life where I've had such wonderful joy, and I think that's not even scratched the tip of the iceberg, uh, not even not even begun to describe the joy that we'll have in heaven, and I'm looking forward to those days. First Corinthians chapter 15. Let's begin in verse number one. Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. By the way, can I just make this statement? The gospel was intended to be declared. It was not intended to be kept silent or to keep secret. It was meant to be declared. Even Jesus told His disciples to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. And we've got a responsibility. God has given the church, the New Testament church, the responsibility, and He calls us the pillar and the ground upon which truth rests. We are the ones that are to uphold this book and to take the gospel to a world that needs to hear it. And we're not to just come and breathe in the good air and spit out the bad as we come to church every week and do our Christian duty, but we're to be busy sharing the gospel everywhere we go. And so Paul charges these folks. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain." For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, He was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, He was seen of James, then of all the apostles." And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of time, of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me uh, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message and speak to our hearts today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be challenged by your word and that there would be a stirring of our hearts, a renewed zeal to make sure that we are doing all that we can to get this gospel message to those that need to hear it. For Lord, heaven is a real place and hell is a real place. We want to do everything that we can to keep men from hell and to keep, have men go to heaven with us. And so, Father, enable us and empower us by Your Holy Spirit. Stir our hearts. Give us the desire. Give us the boldness. Give us the, the, 
uh, strength physically to be able to take this wonderful message that we have received and share it with others that need also to have it. I pray that you'll bless the preaching time. May it be honor and glory to you. I pray mostly that you would allow your Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts and in our lives. Stir us fresh and new, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul speaks of the fact that the gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that in verses 3 and 4, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. This is not something Paul speaks of just because he had heard it, but it was something that he believed. It was something that he had put his faith and his trust in. And he was convinced of this, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And he gives four verses here to express the certainty of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the idea of the resurrection, don't you? If Jesus had just been crucified on a cross, He would have been different, no different than any other man out there that claimed to be God. If He had just been buried in a tomb, He would have been no different than anyone else out there that claimed to be a God. But what makes Him different is He rose from the dead. He got up from that place. He didn't stay dead. And He did so, the Bible says, of His own might, His own power. And we find as we get to verse number 4, that He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He wanted to make sure that He fulfilled everything. Then Paul gives four verses here, and he says, listen, he was seen. If you doubt this, if you need proof of this, he said he was seen of some of these folks. He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of five hundred. And Paul made this statement. He said, there's some of them that saw him in his risen form that are still alive yet. This is the time that Paul is writing. Wouldn't that have been exciting? To be walking down the road one day and look up, and here stands the risen Christ the marks of His crucifixion still on His body. Could you imagine having been one of the eyewitnesses of that? I can't wait till we get to heaven. I love some of the songs that Fanny Crosby writes, and so often she speaks of seeing her Savior face to face, and uh, the moment that she's going to be able to see Him, the glory of that moment. Can I tell you, the closer I get to heaven, the more excited I get about seeing my Savior. These men got to see Him face to face in His risen form, And then I want you to notice in verse number 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And can I encourage you in this? There is, I was, I was talking with some folks, actually several folks in the last couple of weeks on this subject, believe it or not, it's come up three or four times now. That anything that there is of us as a Christian that is good, anything that is noble about us, anything that is right about us, is not because we have done anything. It's because of what Christ has done in us and through us in His strength. And I understand we have to make the choice. We have to be the one to purpose in our hearts. And I understand that. But the truth is, if it were not for the Lord Jesus Christ, there would be no righteousness about us. There would be no testimony that we would have. There would be uh, no holy living. There would be no purity and righteousness in our lives. And so anything that we are, we need to come to the grips of this, that we are what we are because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says this in verse number 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. If it were not for His grace, none of us would be what we are. 
And he tells us uh, further, he says, and was bestowed upon me, uh, uh, he says, uh, by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Wouldn't it be a shame? Wouldn't it be a horrible thing if God gave us His grace and then we did nothing with it? He gave us His grace and we went and hid it somewhere and just tucked it away for eternity so when we get to heaven we can say, well, I've got God's grace. Paul said His grace was not given to me in vain. Notice why. He goes on to say, or what he did about it, as he goes on to say this, and please understand this. He says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Isn't it amazing that in Romans chapter number 5, the Bible says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. It's an inexhaustible supply. And when he's speaking here of the grace of God being given to him, not in vain, he says, I labored, and I didn't just do normal labor, I labored more abundantly. Why? Because God's grace was abundant. And can I encourage us in this, that the more abundant we experience God's grace, the more we ought to labor for Him. The more we ought to serve for Him. And the Bible says that He labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, notice this, whether it were I or they, so we preach. And so ye believed. Can I encourage us in this, that when God gives us great grace, we need to surrender our lives to do all that we can, not to make that grace in vain, but to make every advantage of that grace. To be able to take that wonderful message that he spoke of in verse 3 and 4, the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the payment of man's sin, and take that to a world that needs to hear it. The world needs to hear that God loves them. The world needs to hear that they're already condemned, and God didn't come to condemn them. He came to save them from their condemnation. This is what the world needs to hear. Our, our politics, our wars that are going on, our, our political leaders, they don't need to hear how to solve a war. They need to hear that God loves them. They need to hear that there's a Savior that came to save them from their sins. I'm convinced of this, that if, if God would, would get a hold of the hearts of men and men would surrender their hearts to Him and say, I'm going to choose Him and put my trust in Him and my faith in Him, if we could get that message across to the world, many of the wars would disappear. Many of the political problems would disappear. Many of the moral issues that our world suffers from today, where they call evil good and good evil, those would disappear today. The failure of our society has not been our politics, it's been our religion. It's been our preaching from the pulpits. All that we would get a grasp on this. Paul said, I was given the grace of God, and I made sure that His grace was not given in vain. Because of this grace that He gave to me, I've labored more abundantly than them all. Look with me, if you will, as we go over. Let's go down to uh, verse number 51, if you will. And I, I, I wish we had time to develop the middle part of the chapter. and we Maybe next Sunday we'll deal with that. But, but to get to this idea of what Paul is speaking of here in the first part of the chapter... As we get to verse number 51, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Here a few weeks ago, Brother Everett closed his eyes in this earth and opened them in heaven. He died, and the Bible says it refers to that in the New Testament. Jesus oftentimes refers to that as uh, sleep. Why? Because they're not, they're not dead. They're still alive. They're just not here anymore. There's going to come a day where we're going to be resurrected in those bodies. 
or in, in a body that he speaks of up in verses 35 and 36 and 37. We don't know what kind of body that is other than it's one of the Lord's choosing. And it's going to be one that's incorruptible. I'm looking forward to that day. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Some of us are still going to be alive. But we shall all be changed. Aren't we glad of that? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, notice this, incorruptible. And we, those of us that are still left here, we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Paul is a master of this. If you had time this afternoon, I would encourage you to read slowly and thoughtfully through this entire chapter. He lays such a foundation of evidence and groundwork that when he pulls this conclusion at the end of chapter number 15, it is an unimpeachable conclusion. He makes this statement, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Why? Because of the grace that God has given to us. Oh, I don't want it to be in vain. I don't want it to be in vain. I, I want there to be some, 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 some work and some labor done for that grace. Not because I need to earn it, but because I love Him so much. That I want to do the work that He's called me to do. I want to take that grace that He has so richly given freely to me and spread it everywhere I go. I want to make sure other people experience it. I want to make sure those that need to know of the grace of God know about it. Oh, that we would learn to labor, not out of a duty or a call because we have to, but because we love the Lord so much for the grace that He has given to us. Paul made the statement that the love of Christ constrained him. These were the things that motivated him. These were the things that drove him to do the work. Paul said, I labored more abundantly than them all. Why? Because God has given me grace. Not just any grace, but He's given me abundant grace. You say, how do you know that? Because I had a great sin in my life. I had great sin. Paul said, I was the chiefest of sinners. I persecuted the church. I'm not even worthy to be an apostle, he said. That's how much grace God gave me. God looked down and saw a man that despised those that had trusted Him as their Savior. And God looked down and saw a man that was arresting and putting into prison and, and even consenting to the deaths of those that had put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God looked down. And of all the people in the world, He looked at Paul and said, I want to give him grace. I want to give Him not just any grace. I want to give Him abundant grace. Therefore, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 
For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know what's interesting? When we labor in such a way that God's grace is not in vain, God makes it so that our labor is not in vain. I loved Brother Everett, and I, I certainly looked at his life, and I thought, boy, there's a fella who understood the abundance of the grace that God had given to him. This is a man who was faithful. He was steadfast. He's unmovable. He's always abounding in the work of the Lord. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it could be said of us, if it could be put upon our tombstones, steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Why should I do this, Pastor? Why should I labor? Why should I give my life? Why should I sacrifice? Why should I pay the price for other people to hear the gospel? Because God has given me abundant grace. And I don't want that to be in vain. I don't want to just take the grace He's given to me and hide it away in my heart and my life. Go sit in my house. I want to take that grace He's given to me and I want to shed it everywhere I can go. I want to make sure everybody knows about it. <laughs> We're going to be raised one of these days. We're going to be given an uncorruptible body, and we're going to, the Bible says, be able to spend an eternity with the Lord. You want to know the abundance of God's grace? The abundance of God's grace is found in verse number 55. O death, where is thy sting? Death doesn't have a sting for those that have had the grace of God bestowed on them anymore, does it? I was reminded a number of years ago of a fellow that was threatened for preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The guy came in, pointed a gun at him, said, I'll kill you if you keep doing this. He said, you can't threaten me with heaven. And kept on preaching. I thought, oh, what a wonderful testimony. The sting of death is gone. The victory of the grave it's gone. Why? Because of the abundant grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that He has given to each of us. And so Paul ends it with, Therefore, because of this great grace, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We're living in a day where Christians are plummeting down the hill of compromise. Even in churches, that are biblical, that have men of God that for years have stood as a stalwart against the, the movement of this world, we're watching them bend and we're watching them bow. We're watching the ground erode beneath them. And we're watching them compromise. I would say that that makes the grace of God vain, empty, of none effect. We're not sharing it the way we should. We're not reaching people the way that we should. Why? Because we don't recognize the abundance of the grace that's been given to us.
We don't recognize the responsibility that we have to take that wonderful gospel message to others. Don't raise your hand. I'm just going to ask a rhetorical question. How many people have we met in the last seven days? Through our life, through just going about doing things, how many people have we let we've come in contact with where we have interacted with them? And after you get a number that you think there is, how many of them did we share the gospel with? Paul said, I have labored more abundantly than they all. Could that be said of you and I? For the grace that God has given to us, could that be said of you and I? I've labored more abundantly. Paul understood, recognized that there was a responsibility. More importantly, he didn't have to be told of the responsibility. He saw the great debt that he owed. He saw that God reached down and took one of the least that he could ever think of and said, I'm going to show you a grace that is abundant. It's more than enough to forgive you of your sin and it is more than enough to help you live a life of sacrifice and pleasing to me. I often wonder when we get to heaven how many times we're going to have to watch replayed the times that we had opportunity to share the gospel with someone and we did not do it. I wonder how many tears are going to be shed. I wonder how many times or if it's even going to be possible for folks to look over at us in heaven as they hear the Lord say, Depart from me, I never knew you. As we watch time after time, people that we had come in contact with, that we had had interactions with, that we had talked with, that we had the opportunity to share the gospel with that we didn't. Oh, that God would help us not to take the grace that has been so abundantly given to us and have it in vain simply because we do not labor. We are not steadfast. We are not unmovable. We're not abounding in the work of the Lord. We're in, a, we're in a time, and I'll be real, real honest with you, real transparent here, we're in a time that there needs to be a revival of God's people that will say, I will not be moved. I'm going to stand on the Word of God and it alone. I'm not going to follow the, the cares of this world. I'm not going to follow the trends, the immorality, the fleshly, worldly lusts of this world. I'm not going to follow those things. I'm going to be steadfast. Not only am I going to be steadfast, I'm going to make sure that I'm not movable. You say, aren't those the same thing? Probably. But Paul's just saying, you know what? It's so important, I'm just going to make sure I'm not moving. I think one is giving a strength to it. The other one is a resolve not to move. And he says, I'm going to be abundant in the work of the Lord. You know what the word abundant means? More than is necessary. There are times there are times we 
pat ourselves on the back because we had an opportunity to share a witness. And the truth is, it's not been more than is necessary. It's just been kind of the normal or it's been the, the few times. We get to the end of our life. We stand in heaven. Are we going to, are we going to be embarrassed or is there going to be shame over how little we did for the Lord? Or are we going to be able to stand there and hear the words from the, from the Father say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Are we going to be perfect at it? I don't think so. I certainly believe there are oftentimes we miss opportunities. But what is, what is the, the heart of the matter? Do we long to see people saved? Do we long to share the gospel with someone? Just one thought in the message this morning. Is the grace of God that's been bestowed on us, has it been bestowed in vain? Has it been bestowed in vain? It may have up to this point in our lives, but we can make a change in that. If we sit here this morning and say, yeah, it's been in vain, Pastor. I, I've not done all that I should have. I've not labored abundantly. You know, we can make it, We can make a change. We may not be able to go back and undo what we've done in our life in the past, but we can change what we do in the future. And we can decide and resolve and be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord in the future. I wonder, has God's grace been bestowed on us in vain? Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed. We don't have a piano player again this morning. Be praying for Miss Evelyn as she recovers from a fall that she took. But if God's spoken to your heart, I'm just going to have the altars open. It's really been more of a message thinking of heaven and the idea of the time we're going to be resurrected and going there. But the truth of the matter is we can't think of those things without thinking of the fact, are we reaching others with the gospel? Are we giving them opportunity? If God's spoken in your heart, perhaps you'd come, maybe pray in your seat or come to the altar. We'll give a few moments of prayer and then we'll close in a word of prayer.